this year, like all year, um, all of the Mercury retrogrades, again, not only last year, but this year are going to be in the water signs. So we are, we have been in an upheaval of feeling our thoughts and that's just going to continue because with Mercury retrograde, we struggle with, um, you know, communication, tech devices, messaging. We also struggle with how we think and see things. Yeah. So Mercury retrograde and all these water signs, um, we're feeling our thoughts. Mm. Um, and that's, I think that's really what we need for the future of like the change that we're seeing. And I mean, you are seeing, we're all seeing, um, you know, white people integrating themselves into anti-racist work in legitimate big ways, like making big, new, bold efforts for like the first time in the in their lives, like across their culture, right. um, as they are being confronted with the shame around the failure of the Saturn and Capricorn systems that are on their way out. Hey, 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 friends. Welcome to the Naked Podcast. I'm your host, Martisa Williams. In this space, we'll explore a whole range of practices for our individual and collective freedom. My entire life has been spent soaking up practice after modality, after protocol to free my body and soul. Join me in conversations with the world's foremost thought leaders on topics ranging from health to sex to spirituality to justice. So, are you ready to get naked with me? Well, let's talk about it. friends it's that time again welcome back to the naked podcast um how was your week mine was really interesting but one of the highlights for me was being able to um take myself on a date i took myself paddle boarding and um then out for ice cream and I feel like I just fell in love with being able to just float on the water and stare at the sky and look at the distant mountains and it's definitely something I'm going to continue to do but it had me just thinking a lot about how nourishing it is and how radical it is to really truly give yourself the things that you're desiring other people to give you the compassion, the time, the adventure, whatever it is like that we're seeking from others. Um, I'm finding it really, really beautiful to be um, gifting myself with those things. So I don't know, a little ramble to um, maybe inspire you to give yourself something these days that you've been desiring from someone else. Um, there's something deeply self-reliant about it and beautiful. But anyway, um, super excited to share with you this week's episode. We're going to talk about one of my 
absolute fucking favorite topics and that's astrology and we're talking about it with a friend of mine and radical progressive millennial astrologer olivia talbot she's an appellation um witch writer and white anti-racist activist based in los angeles she uses western astrology to help clients see themselves mirrored back through their personal couple relationships and collective group chart readings she has been taught by some of the best teachers out here in astrology and helps individuals capitalize on their innate gifts skills and callings what i love about olivia's approach to astrology is that it's really about um liberation she really uses it as a liberation tool and i had such a fun time recording this episode with her we did it actually maybe a month or two back back in june um but it's still so ridiculously relevant um and so good and um if after this podcast you're interested in booking a reading with her you can do so at um, millennialastrologer.com and follow her on instagram at the olivia hope um but here's what we talk about in this episode we talk about who olivia is her approach to astrology her relationship with christianity and how she got into astrology um, her learning path and then we get deep down and gritty into what the birth chart is your sun moon your sun moon and ascendant signs the houses and some of the sign profiles so that's like lots of information just kind of trying to get a grasp on what those things are and then my favorite part is we talk about the global astrology and what the fuck is happening in the world these days um and then a little bit about abolition in, in the age of aquarius so great episode i hope you have as much fun listening to it as we did um recording it excited for you to be here and to have this conversation. I am overjoyed. I am <laughs> thrilled. I am over the current moon in Aries today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm really excited. Oh my gosh. So Olivia and I met in like a reading group um, about a, a month book ago. Club. A book club about <laughs> a month ago about rage. And um, I resonated deeply with your personality and your story. And I was like, we should be friends. And so now we're friends and it's great. Um, and Olivia did a reading for me that was the best reading that I've ever had. And it gave me so much clarity on like, why the fuck I am the way that I am and like where I'm going and some of the desires that I already have, but it validated so much for me. So I'm really happy to have you here to like give the goodness to everyone else. I am so happy to be here and I'm honored at that introduction, truly, truly <laughs> deeply. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the first question that I ask all my guests is what made you, you? And you can take that any of the ways that you want to. 
Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> I don't have a lot planned for this. I wanted to be off the cuff. Good. <laughs> um, what makes, what made me, me? Mm-hmm. So I grew up in a really small um, rural Appalachian southern town in southwestern Virginia on the border of West Virginia and out above Tennessee, um, like half an hour above Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And I was raised by a single mom in a predominantly evangelical, um, white, poor and working class, like community, working Mm -hmm. class, I would say. Um, yeah. And I think, I think there were a lot of elements of community that were always really meaningful to me. I will say, um, I don't want to, um, I don't feel comfortable leaning into the notion that I don't think village is my word as a white woman, but like a community broader than my mother raised me. Uh And I think that was really meaningful. I think it was uh, profoundly powerful to have the number of sort of adult authority figures in my life to take little pieces and elements of value from. Um, I started working when I was really young, mostly out of necessity. Um, I moved out to, I went to college at Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia, and got my first taste of literally any diversity, Mm. which was heavy and overwhelming, but I'm also really grateful for, and I wanted to drink up and consume, um, all equal parts of. Yeah. And, um, yeah, but that whole time I had really tremendous ambitions to save money, to move as, to graduate as early as I could and move as quickly as I could to Los Angeles, which I felt called to almost my whole life, both creatively and spiritually. Mm -hmm. Um, So I graduated a year early. I worked at the Cheesecake Factory and saved money for like nine months so that I could transfer to a Cheesecake Factory out here, Mm -hmm. um, which I did. And then um, had some bump bump ups against um, corporate male authority figures that me and a few women worker pals got ousted together through organizing. And that was my real first taste of um, the power of collective people and organizing and doing what you can to right the wrong, to begin the flow of righting the wrongs of injustice, which is a lifelong forever journey that I'm sure we won't solve all of. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and that um, became, i Uh, Later on, I became an activist. I started um, studying astrology out here. I've lived out here for six years. I became an astrologer out here. I've been an actor for a few years. I'm a writer. Um, It's there have been ups and downs. There have been lots of relationships. (laughs) Um, I've learned about boundaries. I've said goodbye to people, hello to people. I've had restaurant job after restaurant job shut down on me, giving us less than 24 hours notice. So I feel like um, there is a real, I'm a Scorpio, there's a real Scorpionic 
rising from the ashes, 700 lifetimes in one, um, resiliency that I feel the universe has given me ample, beautiful opportunities to own and step into. Um, and I've learned so much and like, that's my joy, but I would say my, uh, values definitely come from like strong community building that I've learned from so many profound and incredible leaders across the board in all of these areas that I look up to. Love that. Love that. How did that, how, how does it, if at all, um, influence your work with astrology? Like, is there a way that you approach the stars and do your readings from that's like kind of um, informed by that experience? Yes, I certainly, I certainly think so. Um, so as an astrologer and, and most millennial astrologers are this way, um, millennial and Gen Z, um, which brings me great joy and love in my heart. It is very rare to find one of us that are fatalistic astrologers, and mm. I feel really um, committed to being an uplifting, empowering astrologer who seeks to use the tool of astrology to help people liberate themselves because they're the only ones that can do it. Yeah. Um, and it's such an honor to like have that tool and to use it in that way. Um, it's very important to me to be inclusive and to honor all of the planets in equal power. Mm -hmm. Um, unlike, you know, our society puts a big emphasis on sort of capitalist will and accomplishment. Um, but you know, Venus is different than Capricorn, right? Um, and there is value to like the flow state and accepting pleasure. And mm -hmm. that is also like something people can struggle with their whole lives um, right. in a similar way to being able to struggle with like making your own money or what have you. Um, so I like to speak to all of that. It feels important to me that we can honor the masculine and feminine, but the planets aren't gendered. Yes. Um, that feels important to me. Um, it feels important to me to like honor archetypes like Virgo as sort of like Virgo and Aries as like power to the working class people, mm. um, archetypes. And I feel like they aren't appreciated in those ways that they really should be. And it's like my joy to bring light to that. Um, I love, I work with asteroids which are, so unfortunately in Western astrology, we only have one planet and one entity to work with that are feminine, which is mm -hmm. Venus, a planet, and the moon. Um, so asteroids are the feminine of the zodiac. And a lot of astrologers don't work with asteroids and that's fine. Everybody has their own lane, which right. is beautiful and exciting. Um, but I love asteroids because they are the feminine goddesses who inform all of us. Um, mm. So yeah, you know, it's stuff like that, that I really value that I like to bring in. I love that. I love that so much. Um, so I want to like, kind of go back to the beginning a little bit. Um, so how did you get into astrology? And then we probably should define astrology for folks that like maybe is like, what the fuck is that? I mean, I don't know how you can live in today's world and be like, I don't know what astrology is, but you know, we're all 
Yes, of course. Um, yes. So I have been interested in astrology since I was a kid. Um, around the age of, you know, sometimes I forget about this and I have people from my hometown remind me of this stuff, which I am so grateful for. Um, my friend Kindle, they um, reminded me recently that there were various sleepovers when I was like 12, 13 years old, where I was telling people about their horoscopes, their sun signs. Okay. And I don't even remember being that young. And they also reminded me that, um, that I like got into Billy Blank's tie bow tape and like Pilates tapes, which are like very LA and were hot then. And like no one in my hometown knew anything about when I was in like high school and I was trying to get people into it. And they were like, what is she doing? So I feel like Los Angeles has been calling me like my whole life in so many, in so many ways. Um, but yeah, you know, there, there were so many sleepovers where my friend Nikki, I remember she had a beautiful home and her parents um, made a really nice living. And I would disappear into her bedroom for hours while the other girls did nails, talked, nourished each other, ate brownies. And I would read her birth. She had a birthday book. And every day it was like, this is your whole personality. This is who you are. This is some of your astrology. It was very surface level, but I was obsessed with this book. And every time I would go to her house, um, I would just be in her room reading this book. I was wow. not the most fun playmate. <laughs> yeah. I grew up really evangelical religious. I sadly drank the Kool-Aid. Um, and it, I was like 15 when I was giving people sort of sun sign readings in my youth group at my church when my youth minister pulled me aside to tell me how um, astrology was not of God mm. and that um, it was a tool of the other side and that I needed to leave it out of youth group. And I remember that being the first time of the turning of wheels for me of, well, if God made the sun and the stars and God made timing divine, uh, why would we not intersect and interconnect these? Right. Um, oh, I love that. Yes. So that was like my very beginning with astrology. And then when I moved out here, I was working in restaurants. I was on an actor hustle grind. I was surviving a breakup of eight years. I I did some stand-up for a while, which is if you guys are looking to have unhealthy ego broken, just get up on that stage, guys. Get out there. Do some stand-up. Uh, it was really good for me, I think. I believe it. Um, but it was horrifying in a lot of ways. Um, so there were so many things, you know, I was um, living in South LA. It was very hard to survive, even though I made it so that very scorpionic, so that my rent was only $400. Um, so we were renting out the living room and the kitchen <laughs> to other artist friends. 
But, um, and I lived there for two years. So during that time, I hit a lot of walls where I deeply needed the spirituality that was connected to the religion I grew up in that I leaned on. Seriously, I was truly deeply devoted to. And I didn't have that. And um, astro- I just always felt so called to astrology. And I just always felt like there was so much in it. And I remember I had my first professional reading, um, I think as recently as like four and a half years ago, mm-hmm. by this beautiful Aquarius woman named Britain. Uh, her astrology group is called Britain Astrology. If you're out in LA and you don't, if I don't resonate with you, check her out. Um, Cause she changed my life. Really. She gave me a reading that was the most purposeful. It just, it, it just offered me a peace in where I was going and that these things in your life are happening this way at this time for this grander reason. And you're meant for this bigger thing. And yeah. this is what it is. Um, And it was profound and it was like the most empowering experience I'd ever had. And I recorded it. And every year at the beginning of the year, I re-listened to it every year. Oh my gosh. And I was like, this woman is doing God's work. She is healing. And I love this. I've always loved this tool. And a few, like a year later, I decided um, after what I wanted to be my last abusive restaurant experience that I was going to start to study astrology. I was going to invest in it. I was going to become an astrologer. That was going to be it. And I, um, applied for a scholarship with Deborah Silverman's program. She's an incredible teacher. She's very, she's like a wacky fun aunt. (laughs) Um, and I got it. So I did the first level for free. There are three levels. The second I got the scholarship, it was a few hundred bucks. The third, I just didn't have the money, even if I would have gotten the scholarship. So I continued to self-study. I've self-studied with Jessica Lignato workshops. Um, I just took a Rebecca Gordon astrology in the health and body class, which was incredible. She's a great Virgo teacher. I study with um, the Carol Ryder group in LA. I'm a member of NCGR. Um, Gay Nelson is an incredible teacher out here if you're looking for someone um, so yeah, I, I continue self-study and study with them. Um, and I love it. I love that. I'm going to, uh, put all of those resources in the show notes for anyone who needs those things. <laughs> yeah, I love um, it. But so that I think it's cool. I just love to hear about people's passions and just like how you got there and what, turned you on to it. I think it's beautiful. Um, Just for, I want to quickly kind of talk through the basics of astrology. Like what is our birth chart kind of so that people can um, start diving into it for themselves. Because I think for me, what I realized, what I've heard called the primal triad, and I don't know if that language resonates with you or whatever, but it's like our moon, our sun sign, our moon sign, and our ascendant. When I learned what those meant, because I'm a Capricorn, and I was always kind of like, okay, maybe that makes sense before I got into astrology. But then once I realized like my moon was in Aries and my rising is in Cancer, I was like, oh, that resonates. I see who I am. And then getting deeper into my birth chart, I just more and more was able to see 
myself and like where I was going and where I was struggling and all of these things. So I would love to kind of talk about what is a birth chart, um, just kind of those basics of astrology real quick for people. Yeah. Yeah. So the birth chart, um, which I love to remind people of, can be of a person, a country, a mm. business, a relationship. There, uh, there can be birth charts for anything. So I, I want to start with that. that. Oh yes, because, um, you know, I love every astrologer almost that I know. That's not necessarily true. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I noticed that astrologers and podcasts are questions like this answer it with the other answer I'm going to give you, which is true, which is it's a snapshot of the sky, mm -hmm. the moment you're born, where the planets, the moon, the sun, the nodes, the asteroids are. Um, but they don't all, I feel like it's important for the imagination for people to really understand how birth charts can be used for so much more than just your personal self. I love that. I love that. I have never heard that before, but it makes so much sense. Like if you're birthing something into this world, there's going, it's going to be affected by what's happening in the stars. Like all of them do. So that, okay. Yeah. Your Tell podcast, me more. <laughs> this podcast has a birth chart guys. Listen, I need to, it will the birth chart <laughs> when it's launched. It, yes. Yes. Okay, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. <laughs> okay. So that's our birth chart. So can we, those three sun sign, moon sign ascendant, can we go through those really quick so people know? Yes, 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 yes. So the sun is, um, it is your sort of I am statement. Um, the sun rules who we are, it's consistently with you. It doesn't leave you. There's also, um, the sun is also partially who we're here to grow into being. So mm -hmm. it is who we are born as, but we are meant to grow into the highest form. Like Scorpio is the easiest example because Scorpio, like the highest form would be the Phoenix. Mm -hmm. um, so, but also like if you're born a Scorpio, an Aries, a Taurus, a Leo, whomever you are coming to the world as, that is who you are. But you're all, we're always all seeking our highest selves. But yeah. the sun is who we are sort of um, kind of everything is contextual and we fall into our different planets all the time, depending upon circumstance. Mm -hmm. But the sun is kind of, it's just your consistent identity, like I am statement. Um, it's your, it's your ego. It's hopefully your healthy ego. Mm -hmm. um, and it's what you're reaching for as far as ego goes, aside from Mars. The moon is your emotional body, your emotional needs, kind of your emotional brain. Mm -hmm. It's your intuition. It's the way you process emotional information, um, the way you nurture yourself. Typically, there's a relationship with the moon, with your mom. Mm -hmm. There's typically a relationship with the sun, with your dad. But sometimes, again, energies aren't really gendered. There's feminine, there's masculine, but they're not always really gendered. Um, I would say my son is actually more connected to my mom and my moon more to my dad. My dad is a Pisces cancer moon. 
and mm. cancer rules the moon. And he's the more femme of the two. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's the moon. And I think all femme beings have a special relationship with the moon because um, some of us have moon cycles. And then um, the moon definitely affects everyone's emotions all the time. And it's a very quick two and a half day transit is how fast the moon moves as opposed to the sun, which is once a month. The ascendant in the birth chart is the horizon line. um, And it rules the whole chart. So for instance, like say, um, Martisa, what is your rising? I'm trying to- Cancer. Cancer. So yes, so Martisa's rising is cancer. So the ruler of Martisa's chart at large is the moon because the moon rules cancer. Ah. So um, yeah, the, the ascendant is the ruler of the whole chart. It's kind of like the landscape of your life because mm-hmm. the houses all have different relationships to you. Um, and your ascendant line helps rule where your houses fall, depending. Um, so yeah, that's the ascendant is going to be your ruler, but it's also the first house, which rules aside from the sixth house co-rules like the body. So it's Mm. kind of your appearance statement. Um, so I'm a Capricorn rising. It's a little hard to tell because I have four planets and my North node in the first house, but, um, you can see Capricorn features and elements of me and you can definitely experience cancer elements and energy off of Martisa. Yes. Yes, definitely. Oh, I love, cause I always, how it was defined to me was it essentially it's your personality that you see, like people see it. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of how I've always thought of it. Yeah, so there's a lot going on there because, um, so all astrologers have different interpretations. Mm -hmm. However, um, yes, the first house is another version of like an I am Mm -hmm. um, physical Mm -hmm. statement. I think of the first house as the first three minutes at a party, you're staring at someone from across the room. You're like, what is the energy of this person? Mm-hmm. Somebody's staring at me from across the room. Sometimes it depends on what mood I, I'm in, especially <laughs> if I have a few planets in the first house that mm-hmm. interrupts things a little bit. But let's say I didn't. Let's say I was just a Capricorn rising with no planets in the first house. Somebody sees me across the room at a party. They're going to be like, that girl looks kind of intense. She looks a little serious. She like, she's here to network. Uh, she's not yeah, here yeah. to play or fuck around. If somebody's a Gemini rising, you see them across the room, you're like, that's the, that's the goddamn life of the party. What's going on? Or like a Leo rising, you're like, who is that? Let's play. What's up? Right. Um, a Sag rising, you're like, ooh, maybe I came to hook up. Right. <laughs> um, cancer rising, you see across the room, you're like, maybe you came to the party depressed. Maybe you just had a breakup. You're like, I feel like I can go talk to her. Like, you know? Um, so there's so many different energies. The seventh house is, uh, the descendant line. So it's the opposite. My impressions of this, my interpretations of the seventh house are, okay, you approach the person at the party, you talk to them for 20 minutes, you get to know them a little bit. They become an acquaintance. 
then maybe you want to become a friend. These are their seventh house elements you're going to see. So for you, that would be Capricorn. And that makes sense because once somebody at a party comes up to you, talks about their breakup, what are you going to do? It's my instinct Mm -hmm. that you are going to start to empower them and empower them to honor their boundaries, especially if they're like a femme being. Um, And who rules boundaries but Capricorn and Saturn. (laughs) You're going to empower that person and you're going to empower them to use that sadness, that energy to go build something Mm -hmm. that is Capricorn. Um, And then we have the 10th house, which is two things. Um, The ruler of the 10th house is, it's called the Midheaven. It's who are we um, on a large public scale and kind of what is our career. And when I say career, that is separate from the sixth house, which is work. And it's separate from the second house, which is how we make our money. Mm. Um, career is more like your lifelong calling that you feel for, for the average person through your 20s and 30s. And then around your 40s, 50s, if you've been putting the work in, you get the opportunity to actually do your highest calling that you've been called to do. That's your career. That's how people see you, especially in this society. How do people typically describe a random bypasser? to a friend, just, just to describe them, two things, general personality, energy, and career. They're like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's like, that's Martisa. Um, she's really driven and she's like a spiritual woo woo, but like, um, uh, you know, super ambitious, like educator who runs a podcast, whatever. Um, Yeah. So that's how they're going to describe you to be like, oh, who is that girl? Oh, that's who she is. So that is your 10th house. And that rules like, who am I as a public facing figure? um, And what's my lifelong calling and career? But yes, I would say the first house is more of like a primal, um, I am physically Mm -hmm. energy. Yeah, I love that. So you started, I was going to ask you next about the houses. So you started getting into them. That for me, the houses were like the most confusing piece. And like after my reading with you, I was like, oh, these make sense. Like and why and how and once I understood how they kind of interacted. So is there an easy way to like understand the houses, even maybe just at large, not individually? Yeah, I mean... So astrology is such a lifelong study. Like a lot of mentors and people I look up to don't even recommend becoming a professional astrologer until you're at it for a few years, which I really respect. Because when you think about the study of astrology, we're studying time. And when you're studying like the effects of time and history and patterns forever and ever, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Um, But with the houses, once you start to learn the signs, it is a lot easier to integrate the understanding of the houses and their infinite learning resources um, online and books. I mean, free resources left, right, and center. And then resources, like there's a new website that I really love called Fresh Voices in Astrology. And they really lean into being inclusive about voices and teachers. Um, And the classes aren't that expensive. They're like 40 bucks, 20 bucks um, for different workshops. 
So there's so many different places. But we already covered the first house, this like primal I am, this like um, body. Um, it's related to Aries energy. So it's kind of like, what are you here to fight for also? Um, the second house is ruled by like Venus and Taurus. And the second house rules, what are our values? And how do we, what are our values materially and spiritually? How do we make our money? How do we resource ourselves? Your second house is resources, Um, personal resources. It also rules their elements of like sensuality. It's, um, It's earthy, it's grounded right? Making money is earthy and grounded because it takes work and patience. Um, (laughs) The third house rules your local community, communication, um, local learning, sort of the neighborhood in a fun way um, related to communication. It's kind of like the neighborhood gossip. Like the third house, yeah, is mercurial, um, ruled by Gemini. It's... uh, playful. I think a lot of people notice that they have a lot of friends that are either in their third house or their moons. It's often that partners, you'll, you'll attract a lot of partners with moons in your third house. If you have communication issues, because those people are spiritual beings passing through to help teach you to better integrate, um, communication styls. Um, so yeah, so it's like local learning teaching and sharing your community, your local bars. The fourth house or the Imam Koli, which is the line, which is the bottom half of the 10th house, um, the MC, is what is home to us? What is home for us? How do we nurture and care for ourselves and therefore others? Ourselves first, I think is always most important to remember. Um, What energies feel like home for us, because that's going to be really important when you think about what should my work look like? Who, who should my partner be? Um, what do I need from my friends? I feel like there's a lot that isn't explored as much in mainstream astrology that I wish would be around the fourth house related to needs Mm. and like sharing those. Um, yeah. And there's, you know, there are moods around what is home for us, right? Because when we think about nostalgia and seeking home and acceptance, it's, it's fem, it's moody. Um, great. It's ruled by cancer, the moon. Yes. The fifth house is so fun. The fifth house is creativity to create, um, play center of attention, life of the party, kids, um, ruled by the sun and Leo. It's like, where do we, where do we just want to play and create? It's not technically where do we want to play and create to like make money and to be famous and to what, I mean, it can lead to there if that's your calling, if you're integrated, whatever. But, um, it's really just like a hot, sexy, fun place. It rules love affairs, not necessarily marriage, but like you can definitely have an incredible lifelong partner who lives in your fifth house and then has other planets, you know, in your seventh house and your eighth house and your 12th house, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, the sixth house is ruled by uh, Virgo, Mercury. Um, it's earthy. 
it is like I like I briefly said, the sixth house is our day-to-day work life, our routines, our structures, our health, um, health focuses, ailments, where we're lucky in health. Um, mine is in Gemini. So I notice um, I have a real obsession with learning little bits about everything related to health, like Chinese medicine, hormones, Ayurveda, like um, maybe pharmaceuticals, like whatever, <laughs> like I'm just like drinking it up. Um, how can I get like a little bit of everything? Um, and that, you know, also your, your structure, what helps you create structure and how have you, how are you best used of service? which I think our society should probably also focus a little more on, right? Um, How can we best be used of service? The seventh house is the descendant line, which I briefly went an overview on, but that's going to be long-term partnerships, marriage, work, maybe long-term friendships. Um, it's really, it's contracts, it's negotiations, it's equity, it's balance, it's ruled by Libra, um, Venus. Uh, when you think about marriage and people who typically have long lasting, healthy marriages, I mean, there is like attraction, there's richness, there's sensuality, because Venus mm-hmm. is so sensual. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, it's not necessarily always like, primal up, down, fucking. It's like people you can really depend on. Um, And contracts you want to sign on to. So the eighth house is ruled by uh, Scorpio, Pluto. It is hot, sexy, dark, mysterious, taboo. Um, All of those elements. (laughs) Typically, um, people who fall into your eighth house are often going to be partners who help sexually liberate you or um, show you new ways to use sex. Maybe you heal those people through what you have to offer sexually. It also rules, so it's the opposite of the second house. It rules receiving resources from others and making the most of them. So that's Scorpio, like Taurus, the second house, um, just makes the money does it themselves. It's like, get the fuck out of the way. I'm the best at this. I wish, I wish I could delegate you guys, but y'all are lame. You, you like, don't know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make the money. Um, and tourists, yeah, tourists <laughs> has great taste and a great eye and tourists see somebody from across the room. Like most of my favorite film directors are mm. tourists. Like I love, um, like Jenny Connor, I love, um, well, Jenny Connor is, is a Virgo, um, but almost every, um, director that Jenny Connor works with is a Taurus. Um, who is the lovely, there's a lovely femme director that recently died that is a Taurus. Um, we should honor that. Okay, so we're going to move on. But Taurus, Taurus has a great eye. Um, Taurus can spot talent and um, great investments from across the room. So Taurus gives Scorpio money, says, I think you're good at this. Go to this. Take this little bit of money. Grow this big thing. 
when it's successful, come back. I want to see dividends on that. I want Mm -hmm. you to double it. Mm -hmm. And Scorpio goes, does that thing, makes 10 times that money. And is like, of course you can have double this amount. You can have triple, you can have quadruple because I've made, you know, millions with, with these pennies, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Um, So that's the eighth house. The eighth house is accepting resources from others, making the most of it, not just so you can have your own greed, but so you can disperse it. Like Bill Gates is Scorpio person. So you can think Mm -hmm. about that. The ninth house um, ruled by Jupiter Sagittarius. This house rules higher learning, philosophy, travel, multiculturalism, um, a sense of humor about all the shit. It doesn't have to be so serious, but typically their beliefs obviously are humane. And when our beliefs are humane, they are serious to us because Mm -hmm. they matter. They affect people's lives. Right. In the same breath, there is levity to like shit happens. So it's a combination of all of that, Mm -hmm. that, um, Sagittarius, like, you know, when they feel heavy under the weight of all the shit they're learning and all the awful things in the world, what do they do? They book a ticket to go to Bali. (laughs) They go try another country on. They're like, you know, it's important for me to know about what's going on in the world. So I have to know it all. But the minute it's depressing as shit (laughs) out there, and that's their spiritual calling. And as they move, they go share it with others, which is another important point. So all of the houses below the horizon line are more introverted interpersonal houses where where we're quiet with ourselves. Um, The houses above the horizon line, which are seven through 12, these are houses meant to be shared with the public where we're supposed to share who we are with the public, or maybe we're called to be public figures. Maybe we're called like the third house rules teaching with your local community. Yeah. The opposite house, the ninth house, it's Sagittarian, it's Jupiterian. It's how can I teach um, a bunch of college students? Like Erica Hart is a Sagittarian. Uh, Yeah. Ebb is a Gemini. So that's the third house, local level teaching, Ebb. Yes. Higher teaching, Erica Hart. Yes, yes, yes. Universities, the podcast, like the Instagram that reaches millions. Right. So the 10th house is ruled by Capricorn, Saturn. Um, it's the Midheaven line. Again, it is people's experience of us as a public figure. It is our career. It is our like general energy. It is our higher calling. It is what we are called in this incarnation to build, ideally to help be of service to others. That could be my Venus in Virgo speaking, but I'm going to pretend that it's that that's a fact. Um, I think it is. I think like we're supposed to use what we're building for humanity. Yeah. Um, it rules our ambition, um, our will. A lot of things rule our will, but that house is a big initiator. Um, our, vi- our visions for how to individually build new systems, if like mm-hmm. that's an ambition of ours. Um, it can also rule, you know, greed. Um, <laughs> of systems it's you know it's a house of big um collective public power yeah so the 11th house is ruled by uranus and aquarius 
also a vision house in a different way because what's cool about um, Capricorn and Aquarius is they technically are both ruled by Saturn, but Saturn is a secondary ruler for Aquarius. Mm. So they're both all about building systems in very different, exciting ways. Aquarius um, and Uranus rule, well, Uranus rules the 11th house, which rules Aquarius. Um, the 11th house is sort of big visions of what's possible that are almost consistently super progressive, futuristic, mm -hmm. um, thought of by few, if you think of, but, but it's kind of two, two extremes with Aquarius where there's like the AI, um, interested tech Aquarius, there's the libertarian, like, it's just, I call these the shadow Aquarians who are like, take care of yourself, survive yourself. Like it's, it's all on you, like the individualist Aquarians, but the higher calling of Aquarius is the humanitarian collective value, like the co-op, the, um, why isn't a housing a right people, the, yeah. um, like, fuck fascism and racism collective. The It doesn't have to be this way. There's something bigger and better. And this shit is fucked. Let's burn it down. Right. right. Um, so that is like the 11th house and Aquarian energy. Um, the 10th house Capricornian energy is systems, but in a different way. The example I would give is Capricornian 10th house energy is more leans reform. Leans Let's work with what we're doing. There, there are little changes we can make slowly. Um, the 11th house and Aquarius is the anarchist. It's not fucking working and it was never working. Why are we going to go 10 steps back, make a few tinges so that 10 years later we have to do the same fucking thing? Right. No, we're going right. to burn it all down. <laughs> build, a, build new, better shit. Yeah. Whatever. Um, or we don't even need it in the first place, <laughs> which is another anarchist element. The 12th house. Um, the 12th house uh, ruled by Neptune, Pisces. Um, this is their house of higher spirituality, self-undoing, um, where we can really hear ourselves, our intuition, um, compulsions, obsessions, our inner monologue, mental health, um, wellness, creative visions. Like a lot of filmmakers have a lot of planets in the 12th house. They sort of see life mm -hmm. in movies um, and in like Im moving images. They typically have active dream worlds. The 12th house rules dreams. Um, yeah, so that is the zodiac, like one through twelve houses, and I touched on, I touched on the signs because they're related to the houses. So once right. you know the signs, it's easier to learn the houses. I love that you gave it all to us. I hope people are taking notes because I would be like, listen, writing all my little notes. How does it work? Look, go back to my chart, figure the shit out. Um, thank you for that. All right. So 
One of the things that I really was excited to talk to you about is the global astrology. So like talking about what the fuck is going on right now in the world. So for the listeners, since this is pre-recorded, we're talking in this moment of COVID quote unquote ending. We don't know. Is it coming back? Is it gone? Is it not? We don't fucking We're talking in the moment of um, revolution around Black Lives Matter and all of the racial injustice is coming to the surface. I mean, I would argue that it's been there, but, you know, people are becoming more aware of it in this moment. And we have the fucking president that we have and the political landscape that we have and shit is just happening. So I wanted to talk to you about what's happening specifically in the stars. Why the fuck are we here and what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yes. Wow. There are so many things happening. Um, So we have some really big transits in Capricorn currently this year, 2020 heading into what will be called the grand conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn at the end of the year. Um, Uranus is transiting Taurus, which last happened um, during World War II and when Hitler took rise, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, I think we can all do the math when we look at like our leader. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Saturn is trying, not desperately, but Saturn is really trying to move into Aquarius. But there, there is a battle between the old world of Capricorn and the new world of Saturn and Aquarius. Um, Social distancing in America, at least. Mm -hmm. Um, But it did seem like globally, outside of China, started the week that Saturn first moved into zero degrees of Aquarius. Um, That feels really important to mention. Um, There are big eclipses happening this year, like all year. Um, All of the Mercury retrogrades, again, not only last year, but this year, are going to be in the water signs. So we we have been in an upheaval of feeling our thoughts and that's just going to continue because with mercury retrograde we struggle with um you know communication tech devices messaging we also struggle with how we think and see things yeah so mercury retrograde and all these water signs um we're feeling our thoughts Mm. um and that's i think that's really what we need for the future of like the change that we're seeing. And I mean, you are seeing, we're all seeing, um, you know, white people integrating themselves into anti-racist work in legitimate big ways, like making big, new, bold efforts for like the first time in the, in their lives, like across their culture, um, as they are, being confronted with the shame around the failure of the Saturn and Capricorn systems that are on their way out. 
the Pluto and Capricorn systems, um, you know, Saturn, Saturn is the structure and systems and, um, Saturn is sort of like rules, tough love and at its darkest can rule shame. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and Pluto just <laughs> sort of cripples their, their inner monologue with um, all of the missteps and the mistakes we've made and, like, sort of replays, like, big, darker elements. Mm -hmm. um, you have Uranus and Taurus, like, working to help us reinvent what is money to us? Why do we need it? How does it work? Is it real? Like, mm -hmm. you know, like... COVID has shown us, at least me, as a, as a white woman for the first time, COVID showed me that my whole life, this narrative that I genuinely believed wholeheartedly that like our government didn't have money for mm -hmm. reparations mm -hmm. for black people, for indigenous folks, that we didn't have it, that like there wasn't the money there, that Oh yeah, we fucking do. If we mm -hmm. can write everybody a $1,200 fucking check, I we can get this extra 600 for unemployment. Hell yeah. Print it up. Print that shit up. <laughs> but, you know, back, backpedal it. Like let's print it all, bring it all here. Like this shit is not real. It's money. You know, it can be burned. Right. Um, so it's like all of these things are competing. You have, with like the health structure of when you think of the fact that we went a few weeks ago from like, um, oh, what does it mean to be a good stewardess of your fellow human being? It's to stay the fuck home, wear your mask, to what does it mean to be a good stewardess of your fellow human being? Be in the fucking streets. Yes. It's, these are real Aquarian elements at war of like individualism, and focus on taking care of the self, um, the self and your own first um, in a hyper-individualist way versus just caring for the collective with your voice, your activism, your we're all in it together, no one voice is the center, um, we need to follow the leaders. I mean, Angela Davis is an Aquarius. Like yeah, that's, yeah. you know, that's, that's what all I needed to know. That's all you needed to know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's individuality. So the other side of Aquarius is Leo. Leo rules um, sort of like me, the ego, uh, you know, the sun. So it's like <laughs> me, look at me. It's all about me. But their gift is healthy self-love. And it's all about me gives people life and joy. Um, but Aquarius's gift is not completely, like I said, like only meant at the highest level to be a focus on um, only the collective. There is individuality that Aquarius rules, which is separate from individualism. So when we allow individuality into our space, when we celebrate it, when we champion it, when we push it forward and we say, they're going to be in their individuality and you're not going to step on their shit because if they can't be in their individuality, I can't. And if I can't, 
I have chains on. If they have chains on, I have chains on. Your liberation is my liberation. My liberation is yours. This work is not selfless. It is not martyrdom. You have a stake. And just like me in a different way on a considerably lower level and less harmful level, which yes, you reap privileges from, you are also like white people. You are also harmed by whiteness. Mm-hmm. It is a it is a sick and disturbing and concerning yes. narcissism and um, obsession with self that that harms your essence. You know mm-hmm. your higher calling, your spirituality, your energetics, um, your aura, what you're able to give to give and take. Um, so yeah, I mean all of those all of those competing elements are happening. These eclipses are going to be in both Capricorn and Cancer, and then they're going to be in Sagittarius and Gemini. So, um, you know, these are big elements of Cancer is like, how are we nurturing ourselves and one another and valuing the home and the feminine? And then um, Capricorn is the masculine and like, how are we um, working with the systems we have or deciding that they're not good enough? And how are we changing them and shaping them? Um, and then with Sagittarius and Gemini, you know, Gemini says, we need, we need to learn and we need to speak out. Um, we need to learn. We need to speak out. We need to hear all the opinions and try and figure it out and like try try on new things. Um, and try and find out what we think for ourselves. Mm. You know, that's such a journey. And then Sagittarius is, okay, we have the information, but let's connect it to philosophy and spirituality and let's share it at large. We have to be teaching it. We have to be publicly speaking it and not for entertainment value, not, we're not playing devil's advocate here. We are on a side, but we're also on the side of humanity at large. And that means helping usher, ushering in space to allow people to learn um, without sending them out if they, if they fall or fuck up, which is hard for Sagittarius. Sagittarius is the sign of, well, Sagittarius and Capricorn of God, everybody else is such a fucking moron. <laughs> I can't like... I can't work with them. No, like I I can't even talk to these people. I know Martisa, the Capricorn. That she has no idea. She has no idea. So funny because me, I'm a Capricorn. My partner's a Sagittarius. It's so funny. We're a whole household of assholes. You are. Oh my god. Yes, you are a certainly in a household of like. God, it's so exhausting to work with these people. Why don't they just know? Like. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, what do I have written down that I want to like directly speak to that's coming up? Um, so December 14th of this year, there's going to be, this is exciting. Um, there's going to be a new moon solar eclipse. Um, it's going to be, you know, a really really incredible time to speak our truths and Mars will be trining Mercury. That's like, you know, we will have gifts in messaging. 
the eclipses leading up and the Mercury retrogrades leading up to December, everything leading up to December is priming society, um, not just in our country, I do believe globally, to uproot everything they thought they knew to be true. Jesus. Yes. To globally confront individually first shame, harm, guilt, dark elements to um, learn, to learn humility, to normalize humility, to normalize um, education, to normalize allowing the marginalized voice to be the loudest, most important in the room that we listen to for the experience that we do not share. And there's going to be a lot of pain. There's going to be a lot of fumbles. There's a a lot of people are going to be canceled. A lot of people's, you know, college tweets are going to be brought to light. A lot of, you know, the, you, you see the reality TV show, people that I think have been doing as much harm to our culture as maybe like the KKK for a long time. You're going to see those people. I mean, we're already seeing it like being ousted, being moved out, lose their jobs. Um, It's going to be normalized that like this won't fly anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. we're building the new world and we have to do it together. We have to be in it together. It's not about wrecking your life if you're not on board, but it is about saying, we're not here for you to harm others and we will protect the collective. Mm. Um, so what you're saying is 2020 is going to continue to come for people's throats. Oh, That's yeah. what you're saying. Yes, but it is my belief by the great conjunction in December and like, you know, the eclipse that I was just talking about and the Jupiter Pluto conjunction on November 12th in Capricorn, um, you know, that we're just leading up to, we're learning all of our lessons, some the hard way, some in like beautiful ways, some in personal ways in our home. We're all crying. Like the amount of thin friends I have had across the board, you know, of, um, various different races coming to me in, in different ways to navigate like this time in such a truly deep integrated, like cancerian holistic way of how can I come to the table and own all that I am, whether that be in my rage, my marginalized oppression, um, my voice that has been muffled and silence for years, or how can I come in my fragility? How can I look? How can I really look at myself and continue to fucking survive every day? Keep it moving. How can I use my guilt to keep it moving for activation? Yeah. Um, as opposed to martyrdom, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I but I mean. I just have really high hopes and I'm not alone. Um, Astrologically, I have overwhelmingly high hopes for the end of the year, um, for people coming to realizations 
about this work and these big themes and the importance of the collective and new systems. You know, COVID showed us so much. And I think we thought, wow, who even knew it was possible to work from home? Like people that have always needed childcare or who even thought it was possible that like when a lot of people are employed, they get an extra like $600 a week. Where's that money? Like there are just so many things or for people to have health care. Oh, if you get sick. Oh, if you get COVID, you can get help. Well, what about cancer? Maybe that's what, what's up? Maybe, who knows? This is wild. Like, you know, it's crazy. It is, it is insane that um, this pandemic had to show so many people maybe even myself. I mean, I believed in these concepts and I thought I was fighting for them, but looking back, I'm like, how sharply was I fighting for them? If I didn't necessarily always believe they were possible. And now it's like a beautiful time that so many of us know, and we know it's possible for companies, sadly, probably largely for financial gain. Maybe some of them it's genuine to own um, ra- racially harmful past, right. to put new pe- to employ, um, you know, black people in particular, other yeah. marginalized people. Um, sadly, I think it's going to be a long road to where that's legitimate. You know, it's so part of whiteness. I think mm-hmm. as a white woman is this overwhelming ambition because our whole life is we're told everything's possible for us, Mm. especially, you know, you have blue eyes, you have whatever, everything's possible for you. You can do everything and you can solve everything. Mm. White saviorism is, I would say like the number one feature of whiteness. So I think there's this ambition you're seeing with all this new anti-racist work of all these, um, white folks and this is i would say this is more capricornian than aquarian but you can see both ends Uh of like we can fix it we can we're gonna we're gonna employ 600 black people now at this corporation of 10,000 we're gonna throw 600 people in and it's like okay but last week jim um left Kiana in so much microaggression harm that she could barely get out of bed for two days. So are we going to fire Jim? Are there going to be new rules of uh, speech and mindfulness Mm -hmm. that is and isn't acceptable? Are we going to protect our black brothers and sisters with like our body against say our boss when they've decided that they can take ownership of another culture that isn't theirs. Or That's so interesting because it's like you explaining to me the Capricorn kind of ruling of things and then moving into this Aquarian and that like this whiteness of being like, hey, we're gonna fix the problem right now, do it like we're going, which is very capitalistic of just like having to fix it and do it and be, you know, like be in production. But saying that like, that's a beautiful thing and you have to create the systems of freedom around it, which is more of that Aquarian that we're moving towards. So it's super, it's interesting how those two things are like 
coinciding. It's like being like, hey, you kind of need both. You're needing to bring and integrate both. Fast. You just exactly navigated that perfect. You made the circle. And that's also the opposite end of Capricorn is like feminine mom, put on a sweater. I'm going to make us brownies and tea. <laughs> Plea, yeah, you can cry in my arms. Cancer right, who right. says, you're going to hire all these people, but they're going to be doing all this fucking harm here. Not on my watch. Right, I am right. mom. I will. And it doesn't have to just be mom. It can be, you know, all genders can be um, their own moms, like yes, whatever it is, yes, right? Yes, yes. Um, but cancer, the other side, which we also saw, like COVID came up at the end of the eclipses um, in cancer, which I think universally we weren't honoring. Mm. We weren't honoring the eclipses saying, okay, it's time to have like a year and a half of focus on cancer, to focus on the fem, to slow down, to, to focus on the home, to take care of your home, to learn how to nourish through food, love, listening, active listening, right. um, care. And instead we said, no, we're going to lean on, we're going to lean on Capricorn, the South node, which is we've done a million times over. It's caused so much harm. It's, it's the past life, but like, we need to make money. We need to, we need to grind. We need to hustle or like we have no worth in the world. Yes. So then COVID came and said, oh yeah, <laughs> you can stay your ass at home. Right. You don't listen to mom. Fuck off. Like mom's decided you can sit your ass at home. You can take care of your family. You can learn to fucking cook. You right. can like, you know, when shit, when shit is hard, what's the, what's the medicine? Uh, a hug or whatever it is right you know like we don't have any money left we yes. don't have a job but we're we're gonna fit i'm gonna take care of you we're gonna yeah. figure it out. Yeah. um and all of this stuff and this is wild is leading us into the united states pluto return in 2022 interesting and pluto moving into aquarius in 2023 to 2024 the United States Pluto return really completes around 2024. But typically, if you look at his history's themes, and I learned this from Eliza Kelly, so I don't want to own it as my <laughs> own learning. Um, empires fall around the time of the Pluto return, typically two years after. And the reason I think that is, is the universe gives us the opportunity to allow things to fall away. And the capitalist folks of us, normally when you think about it, the masculine mm -hmm. energies, um, the energies that are like here to drive, 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 hold on and say, mm -hmm. we will not release. We will not allow this new world. Um, there will be war. There will be ravage. And I don't want to make those predictions because right. I don't think it's healthy. Yeah, um, yeah. But I don't think it's going to be comfortable. I think big things are going to happen. I do think by the end of 2020, we will all have this collective, not all, but a lot of us will have this collective shared vision of focus on the collective humanity progress, the future, how to create 
systems jobs to help all of us. And the awareness of back to the stakes of whiteness, your liberation is mine, mine is yours. That is Aquarius. Um, but yeah, 2022, when Pluto returns, it takes no prisoners. It really, Pluto rules transformation. And Pluto can certainly be violent. You know, Pluto rules Scorpio. <laughs> Scorpios, you know, like when they're on the phone with the customer service rep and they're the, you know, whatever it is that it can be crazy. I, I am one. It can be crazy. Um, yes, that is where we white Scorpios have to check in with the caucasity <laughs> propensity. That is where we must go. No work. Um, yes. So, <laughs> but yeah, when it is a little, so there's a lot of hope among the astrologer community for the end of 2020 and heading into 2021, um, for a lot of renovation and new systems and, and youth to take over. Like when you think about, I don't necessarily think it's a mistake that COVID made it so that the leaders of the movement, at least on the ground in the streets, which are no more leaders than those who are not able-bodied at home doing their own right. activism um, that is equally powerful. Nonetheless, I don't think it's a mistake that those in the streets for various reasons, but often um, immune reasons, are the youth. Yeah. Because I do believe it is the millennials and Gen Z that are here. Um, Gen Z especially, because they're dealing with, they natally, um, generationally have Pluto and Sagittarius. We have um, Pluto and Scorpio. Um, so there are different things that our generation is here to work with. Millennials are more so here to challenge patriarchal power. And Gen Z is more here to challenge um, collective power abuses, but also to like educate at large. Like when mm. you think about the kids that ran the the protest about gun control um, and how that really affects everybody and the way they spoke about it, they were able to reach everybody, mm. um, which I think is really important and really nice. Um, yeah, but I, I don't think it's a mistake. I think the youth is meant to lead the movement. Absolutely. I mean, we the, the youth has always led the movement, you oh, know, yeah. in every generation. I think it's funny because it's like we're talking about, and I think you and I, we have a different perspective. Like we're ready for the shit to burn. We're ready for the shit to fall down. So when we... It's down. Yeah. So when you say like in 2020... Um, 2022, it's too many um, that, you know, if Pluto comes, it's going to be a whole new world. It's, it's like, for me, I'm excited as fuck. I'm sure some of the, the listeners are like, oh shit, let me clutch my pearls and collect my shit together. But it's like exciting because I mean, what folks have been saying and have said forever is that the system is broken and no, it's not broken. It's working exactly as they are and it's not working for us. And so this idea that we're create we're in the process of creating a new world is so energizing. It is so energizing. And it makes me so giddy that like the stars are like, here, bitch, like here, here's how it's gonna work. 
you know? That's right. <laughs> it is so energizing. I, I, I mean, it's beyond my wildest comprehension. I mean, it's just, yes, Aquarius is the burn it down energy, you know? And as a Uranus on the ascendant, Aquarius in the second house woman, Aquarius is my values. Mm. Yeah, of course. Yes. I am. <laughs> I am thrilled. I am very excited. Um, I'm also a little broke, so I need the money. So come on into my second house. Give me the blessings, Jupiter. Give me the blessings. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Jupiter is also, Jupiter is helping us as well. Um, moving into Aquarius at the end of this year. Um, to offer us like some levity and help with education around this stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I think um, the lovely thing about the eclipses um, and the nodes moving into Gemini and Sagittarius, which rule the learning and the education, and that when we think about Jupiter currently in Capricorn moving into Aquarius, Jupiter rules higher learning and various other things, luck, joy, expansion. Um, We have help, you know? The universe wants all of us to be learning. Yeah, yeah. And that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful thing because once we're open to the learning, we can be open to the transformation. I love this. Okay, so quickly before we move towards wrapping up, Tell me like the age, I keep hearing like the age of Aquarius, like we're moving out of the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. And I still don't really know what that means. Like what is an age? How long of a period of time? Like what does that really mean? I mean, we've been talking about a lot about Aquarius and moving into it. So like what is that for a year or is that for? Yeah. Okay. So ages are... 2,000 years each. Um, Quite a long time. We talk, yeah. Yes, it's a, it's a long time. And, you know, astrologers think about these ages, right? The age of Pisces, the age of Aquarius, as um, it's a whole, that age cycle is a whole life cycle to try and integrate further into honoring those elements, just like you were born a Capricorn, but you're going to be so many different iterations of Capricorn from the age of zero to 98. Um, and you're going to be your highest version at 98. Yeah. So the age of Pisces was AD 1 to AD 2000. And then the age of Aquarius is AD 2000 to 84,000. One of the best astrology writers, Susan Miller, wrote about how in 1999, there was an eclipse in Leo that helped, um, so the opposite side of Leo is Aquarius, that helped usher in um, some of the beginnings of the age of Aquarius. But the age of Aquarius, I mean, we're just going to continue to grow into. But I think what's important for people to remember is, so the age of Pisces, which is our collective universal past. If you're, if you're, 
if you're taking the ride, if you're buying the ticket, if Willy Wonka gave it to you to take the ride of astrology and entertain it for shits, or maybe you believe in it, whatever, then you believe that the age of Pisces brought us, Pisces is ruled by the fish, mm-hmm. right? Christianity, what's the symbol? Like, the fish. <laughs> yeah, the fish. So um, Pisces seeks purity in a different way than Virgo, it's opposite or sister sign, um, but they typically use religion. There's a lot of religion. There's a lot of purity elements. There's a lot of martyrdom. Like if you're not martyring yourself off, you're failing. Or like to be good is to be selfless as a martyr. Like when you think about like white Christians that go to Africa when they live in poor and working class communities, um, that's Pisces to me. That's the shadow <laughs> side of Pisces. That is not the higher side. You, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. Um, but it's Pisces also has a will of telling, of believing they know best for people. Um, if you think of Pisces on the zodiac wheel, their second house, so their values is what? Aries. That's Mm. the next sign. Aries is, um, you know, war. It's ruled by Mars. It's a lot of things, you know, it's, um, it's besides Leo, it's healthy ego, it's identity. It's, um, it's almost always fighting for righteousness, equity, um, acknowledgement of harm, like good things. But on the shadow side, it can just be male war for sport or ego ego ruled war for play um so pisces is is gentle yes but when you think about like pisces puts great value on if their um martyrdom is challenged or their way of thinking like especially the shadow side of pisces which we've seen much of in our colonial past what do they do they go to war aries because uh, that's their value system and that's how they can reach their values in their minds, their mind's eye. Um, yeah. Pisces has an idea of the right way to do things. When you think about growing up, at least in my community, you know, my mom would say things about women like showing skin that they're trashy Pisces, you know, in a lot of ways rules purity. Um, whereas, you know, Aquarius is like, Fuck your purity. I wore this because I knew you would fucking be here. I'm like, I, I want you to see all my tits. I'm not right. even look at my nipples, bitch. Like feminism. Like that is Aquarius. Aquarius is Uranus, and that is the energy of Aquarius I that I think we all love. Um or so we're just moving into a whole bunch of women with their titties out for the next um two thousand years. How <laughs> Speak on it, sister, and tell the people. Tell the people. I'm ready. I'm ready. My tits are ready. I'm not wearing a bra, so let's. (laughs) We're doing it. We're doing it. You can't see anything, though. This dress is great for that. Um, Great. Love it. Live it. Love it. Um, It is. So as we're moving into Aquarius, I mean, there's all the lovely elements we talked about, right? The collective, the focus on, we didn't dive in as much, but we can just briefly mention, you know, focus on tech, using it to serve humanity, 
the the parts of the internet we love you know aquarius rules all of the internet but when you think about the internet there's the shadows I know, there's robots. the light <laughs> it's there's heavy you know there's there's a lot of great good connective tissue to be had in sharing one's stories and helping you know a little little girls alone in small towns with big dreams feel connected to something or you know people who have been kidnapped or taken to like try and find access to humans to get out but then there's also really dangerous conspiracy theories that can cause harm that makes truth seeking really really difficult um yeah the internet can be really scary and it can consume us and it's built to make us addicted um so that's like tech that's the internet aquarius rules all of that um aquarius rules like ai which obviously there's some exciting stuff there's some really scary some terrifying shit really scary stuff yeah um aquarius definitely rules gurus Martisa and I actually both followed a leader. Still sort of, there's, there's a lot of value to be gleaned from this leader. Yeah. But they um, teach manifestation very re- well. They earn Aquarius and they, um, many people view them as a guru. Mm-hmm. And there's like, there are a lot of Aquarian gurus um, to be had in history looking back. So, I mean, that's a concern. Like we're trading out the oppression of religion of puritanical evangelical christianity and a lot of us are saying no we're done with that but we're kind of inviting in you know we're seeking spirituality beautiful but we're inviting in you know big leaders with big ego that as long as they're the loudest best speakers in the room maybe they maybe they can wield their power in ways that can be harmful So those are things to watch out for, like um, cults. Cults are things to watch out for. (laughs) When you think about, like, yeah, Aquarius, communes, let's just take care of each other. Right, right. It takes very little for that to turn overnight from, like, we're just caring for each other to, like, this is a cult. Yeah. What's happening? Like, if you don't believe this, you're out. Yeah. You know? (laughs) So I mean, in that, like again, cancer culture. Cancer culture in a lot of ways is like this insidious cult of like, we're right, you're wrong, we're throwing you away. Which in tangent, in a lot of ways, is like why I believe so deeply in uh, abolition, like modern day abolition movement of like, no one is disposable. So it's like interesting too, to think about like, that having a rise in the age of Aquarius and maybe being able to tap into more the light side rather than the shadow side. So we just gotta watch, we gotta watch our egos and watch how much we're being like, fuck you, you're not a part of our story. You are channeling, (laughs) you are channeling. No, no, if like, I feel like the most profound thing said on this episode is the connection between abolition and um the movement of saturn and pluto into aquarius aquarius is 
undoubtedly the ruler of abolition. Mm-hmm. There is no, there is no doubt in my mind. And um, yeah, because abolition says, let's tear down the systems. It's not working for us. We need, you know, we need, it's, I mean, it is replacing them, right? But it's saying, um, this, this isn't enough. It's not good enough. And Aquarius doesn't just say the, like, the beauty of Aquarius is when it's at its highest element and can own its ego, it doesn't just say, you're not doing good enough. It, it can humble itself when it works really hard to say, I'm not doing good enough. But also what's important to remember about Aquarius, there are just so many levels. We're hitting all the levels. Is Aquarius is a fixed sign. The fixed signs are Aquarius, Scorpio, Taurus, Leo. It's hard to change a fixed mind. Mm-hmm. It is hard to change a Scorpio's mind, an Aquarian's mind, a Taurus mind, um, a Leo mind. And, and sometimes for good reasons. Typically, fixed signs are fixed because they are brought into this incarnation where they have so many experiences where they're like, yeah, I'm not just speaking from education. I'm pairing it with my fucking experience. It's Angela Davis, you know, <laughs> like this is not just, this is fact. I mean, this is fact. This is the data. <laughs> this is information. But if that's not enough for you, these are my experiences. Right. Are you going to deny my marginalized femme experiences that yeah. you haven't had? Wow. Look at your narcissism walking around. <laughs> upright walking human telling us what it is out there. Wow. Everybody, listen, listen, uh, listen to them. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Oh, my God. So, like... To me, the takeaway is watch the shadow side, like bring the light forth, watch the shadow side as we transition into this new world that we're creating together, because it can be so beautiful or we can make lots of the mistakes that we've already made. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So with that, thank you for giving us that. What is lighting you up right now? Like, what is really setting you on fucking fire? This conversation. <laughs> what? Are you kidding? This, cu- this question isn't real. Um, oh, my God. No, truly. Um, my, I'm surprised that the North Node has moved into Gemini and is not still in Cancer because I'm still feeling so connected to it because my relationships with femme friends have been feeding, nourishing, not just feeding and nourishing in like the traditional like caretaker sense, but lighting me up beyond my wildest beliefs, expectations, manifestations, dreams the past month. I think when societies start to fall, I think when there is global healing needed. I think when there is like mass, you know, hysteria, chaos, pandemic, like war on the horizon, polarizing shit, the power of femme force to move through 
the rubbish and find one another and and make a a plan like it's i feel it it is very thin to have um i dated somebody a while back a while back who said this which was funny because he was certainly not the best feminist but he he said this and i was like this is profoundly feminist he said you know people people don't realize women women always have a b and a c and men depend so strongly on the A that they believe they don't need the B or the C. So then when the A falls apart, it's hard. but the women that, the reason women keep it moving is like they just always have the B and the C. And I was like, right. this is true. <laughs> this is true. Um, and not just women, just like when we honor our femme, yes, we, yes. Can, we can invite in the beauty and the, like the transformation on the cusp of the humility waiting for us, the transform, the transformation, like the power of inviting in the, the growth, like the, the watering, the plant, the nourishing of our plant that is us yes. to grow into like the person, the people we're becoming um, through allowing there to be a bee and a C and saying, maybe, I don't know, maybe this won't work out, but this will. And like, maybe you, maybe you fucked up. I can hold you in that. I may not be able to, I, I you know, it's not healthy to coddle you because I love you so much. And I see how great you can be. And I see how brilliant and badass and strong and unbelievably powerful you are you were anything but fragile and i see that even when you can't see that and i'm gonna hold you to that because i love you so fucking much <laughs> or you know on the other end like i can't imagine i just can't imagine period like the the pain the experience mm -hmm. i um not only can i will i i do devote my my life to holding that space for you and to just being play and joy when you need yes. and to being like a holding of space for you um and to using using my shame like but every every femme relationship i have in my life right now even um you know uh masculine bodied feminine energy people i have in my life just coming into my space and presenting every day it's like new i new concepts i have never thought about or new twist of them like new well what if we did it this way and i'm like what if we did it this way you know like new joy new new creation new um new new humility to be mm. had just new um new values that we can share I love that. I love, love, love that. What's lighting you up? Now I want to hear. <laughs> Everybody wants to hear oh this week or today or whatever. Yeah, fuck. I wasn't expecting to get the question. Um, I don't know. The, the cultivation. You know what? When you were talking about your femme friends are lighting you up, I was realizing I'm having two things that are lighting me up right now. It is one the woke white people in my life are lighting me up. I was specifically thinking of you and our mutual friend, Wilty. Like I was like the woke white people in my world that love me and that can cultivate safe space with me are lighting me up because it tells me that this is the future. Like this can be our future. Like that feels good to me. 
And then the cultivation of black joy. The cultivation of black joy is lighting me the fuck up. My partner and I went skating the other day. I almost bust, try not to bust my ass on this roller skates and like just having fun and smoking a joint and enjoying the sun like that lit me the fuck up. So that that's being in relationship and being in joy is lighting me up. Thank you for asking. Oh my God. Of course. That's like the most important message also. There are so many important messages in this episode. (laughs) That feels like a really important message right now. It's so good. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been so good. Every time we talk, it feels so good. I feel like so energized by it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for coming on. This is so lovely. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for inviting me on. Thank you for having me in this space. This has been like the most fun. This is just, this is fun. This is, this is love, fun. It's play for me. I love it. I love every second. Well, I hope you had as much fun as I did recording that and listening back to it. Um, Astrology is such a powerful tool to me. The more that I dive into it, the more I see how truly and deeply it resonates with me. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Again, I highly recommend booking a reading with Olivia. She is amazing. We were on the phone for maybe two and a half hours when she did my reading and just chatting and and making all these connections and it was super enlightening for me. So I highly recommend if you're interested, uh, book her on her website, millennialastrologer.com. Follow her on Instagram at the Olivia Hope and support her work. As always, thank you so much for supporting this show. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for DMing me and sending me comments and feedback. I adore all of it. So continue to share, subscribe, leave reviews, all those things. And uh, I'll see you next week. Well, I'll talk to you next week. (laughs) Bye.